2: It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
3: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. There was a piece... On the Spectator website that came across my feed a few days ago, it was called Modern Life Doesn't Make Us Happy by Tenneth Carey. The subhead was, when everything is designed to be pleasurable, nothing feels good. Carey's thesis is that dopamine isn't a happiness chemical. It's a go out and survive chemical. But now we don't fight for our survival every day, so dopamine becomes this drug we chase. I looked her up and she's written some cool stuff on friendship and what kids are actually thinking really up my alley. But I have to disagree with her a little bit about modern life not making us happy. She writes, quote, when your ancestors woke each morning feeling hungry, dopamine levels would have risen to motivate them to seek out a bird's nest from which to raid eggs or a beehive from which to gather honey, in addition to the berries and nuts they foraged. But dopamine's effect is designed to be short-lived. Once they'd eaten and gotten the reward of the extra spurt of dopamine, along with the release of feel-good opioids, those levels quickly dropped and even dipped below baseline. After all, unless dopamine fell back down again, where would they have found the necessary motivation to seek out the next meal? And then she adds, and I find this part so interesting, quote, apart from some slight changes due to genetic selection over the years you basically have the same brain as your ancient family members, powered by the same reward system. Do we chase that dopamine hit more than our ancestors did? Sure. But I'd argue that because our brains are largely the same, they would have chased the next dopamine hit the exact same way as us, except it was far harder and didn't come in the form of Instagram likes. I also don't think that, yes, it might have been the dopamine that would spur them to maybe further in finding food, but you know, what motivation would they have found to seek out the next meal? Hunger. Hunger would have been that motivation. She writes that people now expect to be happy all the time. I'm not so sure that's true. I think we probably have a lot more wallowing than our ancestors who lived constantly under threat. But the things that ultimately made us happy, having a good meal, warm bed, all of that really has stayed the same. Like, have you ever worked a long day or been out all day and then you get home and you take a shower and you get into your nice, clean, warm bed and that feeling is so amazing? I mean, That's our ancestors having that same feeling getting into whatever comfortable position they had. I think about stuff like this where, you know, we kind of look at modern life as like, oh, this, you know, we chase this dopamine hit and it's so bad. But I really don't think it's that different than what our ancestors did. I once read a story about a therapist who worked in a refugee camp. These people in the camp, she wrote, had lost everything and she was there to counsel them. But the 18 year old girls still wanted to discuss how the boy she liked didn't like her back and instead preferred her cousin. And that made her feel bad. And that's what she wanted to talk to this therapist about. People aren't that different than they were. And I hate the idea of treating our phones because we're so addicted to them as if there's something other than a tool that we can use and put away. Look, I know people are addicted to their phones. I'm sometimes addicted to my phone. But we can acknowledge it and curtail our use. It's not heroin. I think about that all the time, that people compare it to like serious drugs that have like physical withdrawals and people die sometimes from withdrawal. That's not what your phone is. Your phone can be put away. You can. We don't have to keep scrolling for the dopamine hit. We can be like our ancestors and take that dopamine break. Coming up next, an interview with Spencer Clavin. Join us after the break. My guest today is Spencer Claven, author of the book, How to Save the West, Ancient Wisdom for Five Modern Crisises, and the host of the Young Heretics podcast. Hi, Spencer. How are you?
5: Hi, Carol. I'm doing great. It's so nice to see you, and thanks for having me on.
3: Thank you so much for being on. You have a lot of big words in there. Heretics, crises, you know, I did the best (laughs) I could.
5: (laughs) It was beautiful. It rolls off the tongue.
3: Thank you. So with your appearance on my show today, I'm actually concluding the Clavin Moore trifecta. I've interviewed your dad, Andrew Clavin, and your sister, Faith Moore, about their books. Um, yeah. Although I, maybe I shouldn't say this is the end. What's your mom up to? Maybe we can schedule a chat.
5: Well, we're like Pokemon, you know, got to catch them all. Thanks for, yes. thanks for collecting the full set. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, however, I have to disappoint you because my mother, who is by far the best person in my family, I mean, not even a competition, miles and miles mm-hmm. beyond us all. Is also the only one that never does any media. She's an extremely private person, uh, so we, um, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
3: All right. Um. You know, I might try anyway. Like you know, the, the she does it is, as a favor know, part, to us. Part of the chase. Oh, really?
5: Good. Yeah, yeah. That's the appeal. No, she does as a favor to us so that we won't look bad by comparison. Because if she did uh, have a podcast or a book, then nobody would pay any attention to the rest of us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> So you're also doing a new substack with your dad. What is it called? Tell my listeners about it. How can they sign up and they should sign up?
5: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm really excited about this. It's called The New Jerusalem, which is a reference to the book of Revelation when the New Jerusalem comes out of heaven and down to earth, which should give you a Mm -hmm. sense of the project. It's about what it means to live in faith here and now, not in some imaginary before time, but Mm -hmm. in the world of the internet and technology and all the many crises that we are currently facing down. Um, We're doing it in the format of a father son conversation so andrew clavin my dad no relation and i have been <laughs> have been really just lucky and blessed in our relationship that we get to discuss these big ideas and we, we mm-hmm. used to go for long hikes together in los angeles when he lived there and just kind of ruminate on this stuff for, forever and we wanted to invite people into that so the Substack is the way of doing that it's the new jerusalem dot com and what it'll be the way it'll work is we'll post a, an opening essay written by both of us and then every day from then on we'll just be writing back and forth to each other kind of like letting you in on a series of mm-hmm. emails between us there will also be a list of our most cherished works of art and books that we kind of build gradually on fridays which is for paid subscribers so if you want to support us you can sign up for that but the rest this. of it's free and, um, and yeah, you can sign up at the new Jerusalem.substack.com and yeah, become part of the, the journey with us.
3: I'm going to sign up. I just, I'm not sure I'm smart enough for all this, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do my very best. <laughs>
5: Wait, no. Okay. First of all, (laughs) that's, I don't know if I, I think this is in the book. I can't remember if I put this in the book or not, but I often have conversations that begin with somebody saying I'm not that smart or I'm not smart enough for (laughs) X or Y. And those are always the best conversations because it turns out people are actually much smarter and they are more philosophical than they, than they think. And I know that's actually true of you. So yes, come along, come join.
3: But you guys, you know, you just, your whole family just comes off as you know just a a little smarter than the average people
5: (laughs) so again i'm going to
3: sign up and i'm going to follow it and you know i'll I'll do my best to keep up with the Clavens. i feel like keeping up with the kardashians is maybe a little easier
5: I mean, um, you will I, not find, unfortunately, any of our like Botox tips or decorating oh no. plans on the substack. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
3: So I have your book. I love your book. And one question that I ask all of my guests is what do you think is our largest cultural or societal problem in America? And is it solvable? Um, in this case, I think that question takes us, you know, into the direction of your book. You write about five essential crises. And the crisis of reality, the body, the crisis of meaning, of religion, of the regime. Which do you think is the most pressing for us as a country right now?
5: Well, I'm going to say the crisis of religion, which is really the heart of the book. And actually, in particular, right now, I think the most pressing social problem we're facing is anti Semitism. I was thinking Mm -hmm. about this this morning. We have seen, ever since October 7th, profoundly dark resurgence of some of the ugliest stereotypes but also trends about in relationship to jewish people and the reason that i bring this up is not only because of my uh, love for the jews and and my jewish heritage but because i think that anti-semitism represents now as it always has a profound sickness in the spiritual heart of man it is the oldest Mm -hmm. hatred and the Jews are the the most hated people throughout history, the reason for which is, at least in part, that, as part of their role as the chosen people, they really do, Jewish people really do stand in for us in relationship to God. And I believe, and I argue in the book that the human heart can hardly bear to see itself in a true light in relation to God and to contemplate the nature of its inadequacies. And we do everything we can to look away and ignore Our calling as as divinely created Mm. beings. And I I suspect that hatred of Jewish people, anti-Semitism, these things that come up again and again, no matter how hard we try to erase them or resist them, um, this is an indicator that we are once again facing up to our own Brokenness, and since we can't look at that, we offload it all onto Jewish people and, and to the the Jewish religion. And so, you ask me if this is if this is solvable in the deepest and most profound sense. I don't think it's ever possible to eradicate this this problem. Mm-hmm. I think it's baked into the tragic nature of the world but i believe even still even now passionately that americans perhaps uniquely are equipped to reckon with and to exp- expunge this sickness from from our hearts because of the nature of our Creed and our founding documents mm-hmm. that we actually do believe in this country, and and there's still a deep instinct at war now with the worst elements of us and the the worst angels of our nature or demons, I guess, of our nature. There is mm-hmm. still a deep instinct that we are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights that we're created equal. And yeah, I think that you know I, I'm I'm not a big predictor. I hate making predictions, which means that I'm neither a pessimist mm-hmm. nor an optimist. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But I am a big advocate of hope. That's one of the three Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love. And, and, and hope means where are you placing your efforts, where are you pouring your heart? Um, I'm pouring it into that. That crisis of religion, hoping against hope, and, and trying desperately to kind of call people back to these core truths of our uh, createdness in the image of God, and uh, and the, the result, the political result, which is fundamental human equality in the truest and best sense.
3: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, I, I also have basically the biggest hope for America and Americans, uh, especially where the issue of antisemitism is concerned. I, I have more faith in the American people and in our system than I do in, you know, a- any other country basically. Um, but have you been surprised about the kind of spike in antisemitism since October 7th? I feel like even, so I am an optimist, I think. And, mm. um, I, I haven't been shocked because I think it's been heading in this direction for a number of years and people have sort of looked away, including, you know, my fellow Jews. I think they just didn't want to see it. Um, mm. But have you been like shocked at the kind of events that have happened since then?
5: I've said for a while that we need a word. Maybe there's some great German word that means something that is shocking <laughs> but not surprising. So. Whenever, right.
3: Like, I'm sure there is.
5: <laughs> you know, right. Like whenever the yeah. sort of woke crowd comes up with something absurd. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you saw that video that was floating around the internet. That was like a Stacey Abrams choral performance about our rights depend on the... Like it was like this incredibly cringe. No,
3: I'm That's, going to have to go oh find that. <laughs> Gosh,
5: Harold. Okay, wait, maybe maybe I'll send it to you afterward and, and you can link to it or something. But yeah. um, it's so cringe and, and over the top that you're like, I can't believe they're doing this, but also I actually totally can. Um, That's Mm -hmm. that feeling that that I feel like we have all the time now. And, and that's how I feel about this hideous resurgence of just the most kind of atavistic and obvious and and crude forms of Mm anti semitism. I am shocked and appalled by it but I'm not actually all that surprised in part for the reasons that you suggested. I think we've been toying with this stuff for a long time. We've been we've been playing with fire, poisoning our race mm-hmm. relations, which always ultimately comes back to these sort of religious wars and, and especially animus toward Jewish people. So I think mm-hmm. this was kind of in the works. I also think that because our ruling classes think that they're immune from this sort of thing. They imagined themselves to be virtuous and pure and never you know, they, mm. they thought that they were the grand white knights that were warring against the evil, racist, bad orange man people or the, right. the nasty deplorables. Mm. And, and that is the surest fire recipe for a return to the worst and most obvious forms of, of hatred that, that humanity is capable of. Because if you think that yeah. you're kind of immune from that, um, then you're ultimately really vulnerable and and just ignorant, I think, about the nature of of this this, this human hatred. So no, I'm I'm not surprised, but I I am appalled.
3: You say you're not an optimist, but your Hmm. book is How to Save the West. I mean, isn't that sort of an optimistic vision for how we make things better, how we make the country and society better?
5: In a certain sense. And everyone thinks that I'm an optimist, for sure. That's the the word that gets applied to me most often. And it's why I started thinking about, Mm -hmm. well, am I actually? And the reason that I'm not an optimist is because I don't think anything is written in the stars. And, And I understand optimism and pessimism both to be convictions about what you're certain is going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and for that reason, they both lead to certain errors. So optimism tends toward complacency, I think, in its most extreme forms. If you think everything's going to go okay, you're not going to do anything about work it as hard. Exactly. And yeah. pessimism also, tends toward inaction but in the form of despair, which is an actual sin. Mm-hmm. And conservatives are so guilty of this, I think, so much of the time. We love to know that everything is gonna go wrong. It makes us feel very yeah. special and mm-hmm. makes us feel And like you can't know. do anything
3: about it. So what are you gonna do, right? right?
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Complain. Complain online, I think, is, is the answer yeah. to that question. <laughs> and and so mm-hmm. that's why I say that I'm neither of those things is because when I say that I don't know what's gonna happen, I genuinely mean I don't know. And mm-hmm. I, I have faith, I trust in, in God that ultimately the final answer to the whole of this history is is going to be good. But in the meantime, my question is, where are we and what is possible? And in what is possible, I'm looking for the, the best that can be thought and said, which is why my book is titled How to Save the West and why it's written the way that it is, because this is, it's not actually about how the West is absolutely going to be fine and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Right. It's about how even in bad times, the West has always endured. And people who carry it forward are people like you and me, people who start conversations by saying, I'm not that smart, people that feel doubt and fear <laughs> and all the normal things that we feel. Nevertheless, wake mm-hmm. up in the morning and put our socks on and feed our kids. I just attributed children to you that I don't. No,
3: no i do have, have children have. yeah you're you're good
5: yeah kids right i'm, I'm sorry i've I got
3: three just... of them yeah, yeah. My, I, I... my my youngest son went to school with your oldest nephew
5: that's right yeah okay so yeah. i that, that's and that's, that's how right. you and faith know each other yeah i'm sorry yeah i just was like no need like, to be I sorry
3: i feel like i was going to okay. say that i'm going to pressure you later on in this conversation that you clearly need to have children because we need little spencer <laughs> Clavens running around
5: well, we certainly can get to that. But okay, so anyway, what, uh, <laughs> my point was just that, you know, the stuff that we do kind of in the the morning and uh, throughout our day in our neighborhoods, like that is the stuff of Saving the West. And mm-hmm. it doesn't depend on making a grand pronouncement about everything that's going to go right or wrong, like that these things, this stuff has happened. The, the, this tradition has been maintained through the sacking of Rome and hmm. the rise of the Soviet regime and, you know, in in gulags as well as in ivory towers. And I think that's something we, we have to remember so that we don't get disappointed in the reality of the world, which is often very messy and, and very difficult.
3: We're going to take a quick break and be right back on the Carol Markowitz show. So when you say how we can save the west what are some other than you know the getting up every day and taking care of your kids
1: are you still searching for your perfect place to call home well now is the time to buy at fisher homes if you're looking to move in before the end of 2024 may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet
4: home. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S.
3: And all of that. What are some of the ideas that you think that people should um, embrace in order to save our civilization?
5: Yeah. Well, the book. Big proceeds... question. I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> no,
5: no. I mean, I'm, look, yeah. I put myself on the hook for this when I wrote a book called "How to you really Save did. the West," right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's no escaping <laughs> it. And one of the things I do say at the outside of the book is that you're not going to open these these covers and find. A political program, which is by mm-hmm. design, because if our hope for salvation rests in a politician or a law, we are in trouble. I mean, there, there's just no certainty to be had there. The kind of TLDR version of my book is mm-hmm. log off and go to church. And that's not yeah. because I think that it's not because I think that technology is evil. I actually think that it's it, it, it has it doesn't matter whether it's evil or, or not it is right. now kind of embedded in our lives and you and i are currently having a conversation and an interaction that we would never have if the internet mm-hmm. didn't exist so these are tools you know it doesn't it doesn't pay to talk about them as if they we have no control over them or no choice in how we use them. But a major theme of, of my book is, is rooting ourselves back in the here and now. I think this kind of starts to emerge. Well, it starts in the first chapter, which is the reality crisis is about kind of our disconnection from the obvious truths around us that we're able to experience and perceive and our alienation from just the felt sense of mm. life that actually our connections, our uh, desires our aspirations our memories our loves these things aren't just brain farts or accidents of our biochemistry they are the stuff of what we are and so re- re- rooting ourselves in that first and foremost and then the body crisis really does i think kind of drive this home when i start talking about the trans extremism that we've seen but also kind of it's it's more advanced like cutting edge stages which are not just about sex and gender, but they're about mm-hmm. transhumanism and people that hope to escape from humanity altogether. Um this is gonna be a major theme by the way of the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You could replace, well not you couldn't replace go to church with go to the gym, but you could add to go to church, go to the gym or join a softball team or, you know, become part of some sort of physical activity that right. puts you in contact with other human beings. Um mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that ask me when they listen to my podcast, like, how do I cultivate relationships how do i make friends that sort of thing and it's one of my favorite questions you're
3: gonna have to answer that for us yeah Uh
5: yeah okay i actually have an answer and it comes from (laughs) the western canon so uh it's even better it's not my answer it's really cicero's answer and 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 aristotle's answer and and that is become the kind of person you would want to be friends with um especially Mm. become that person by seeking virtue there are um four they're called cardinal or or, you know, we might think of them as kind of the core virtues, the excellences of the soul, the way to be really good at being human. And they don't depend on being smart or even particularly, you know, good in, in your raw form. Mm. Um, they depend on daily habits. So they are temperance, taking care of the way that you relate to your desires, not rejecting your desires, but managing them with your reason, um, courage. Which I think is one of the ones that's most lacking at the moment and one of the hardest really, I think, to just plunge in and and undertake, but it's the excellence of the heart, right? Courage is is what enables you to follow through on your big, grand Mm -hmm. ideas. wisdom, which is uh, perhaps the most abstract, but is what enables you to make Mm -hmm. these choices about, well, what am I going to, you know, what am I going to do today? Of all the different possibilities, of all my different desires and impulses, which ones am I going to indulge, which ones am I going to repress? And we (laughs) seek that through the tradition, right? Through the canon and through the kinds of works that I'm talking about in the book And then finally, justice, uh, DK, which we think of as this. Sometimes we we like outsource justice. We put it on the government. Mm -hmm. We talk about social justice, which is another Mm -hmm. way of saying justice by people other than me right justice by like a group of people that have nothing to do with me um but actually the classical sense of justice is an individual virtue and it's about right organization of all the parts the right integration of the different parts of your soul and your person Um, and it starts there it starts with the man in the mirror as as mj would say right and and then Mm. grows outward into the right relationship between husband and wife father and child mother and child so on and so forth um so i would say like if you want to know how to make friends, if you want to know how to get back into the game, how to like, get some agency yeah. over your life, start with those, those cardinal virtues and start with becoming the kind of person that you want to meet. And you will be shocked at how quickly in that process <laughs> you run into exactly the people that you're looking for. But you won't find them by going out and trying to put it on them to be good, to be the people you want. You got to put it on yourself right. first, I think.
3: So Interesting. So hmm. now that you've solved Western civilization, um, <laughs> yeah, what right. would you what say,
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: what would you, a question that I ask all of my guests is, um, uh, your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their individual lives that you've touched on making friends yeah. and, and, um, you know, kind of improving yourself in that way. What's your best tip overall for how people can improve their daily lives?
5: Okay. Um, it, I wouldn't be me if I didn't answer this question with a quote from somebody who spoke Greek, and so I'm gonna do that. I thought
3: you were gonna say it wouldn't be me if I didn't say go to the gym because I, I follow you on Twitter and
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I a am lot a of big gym going. Gym There's a lot of mm-hmm. gym content, no question. Um, but no, I'm actually not gonna say that. Although you should go to the gym. Um, no. Uh, th- so Marcus Aurelius isn't one of the most famous names from the ancient world is somebody mm-hmm. that people have heard of like surely Julius Caesar like people have heard of him and um, but they 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 don't necessarily read his book meditations which is really still one of the best self-help books in the world because it's not yeah. a list of prescriptions it's a record of inner dialogue it's about the thoughts of a man who's trying really hard to cultivate those virtues i mentioned Um, And so the piece of advice that I'm going to give is is lifted right out of the meditations. And it's the obstacle is the way. Um, This is one of his most famous statements. Uh, It essentially means the thing that you think is keeping you from your goals or interrupting your smooth path of life is actually what you're supposed to be dealing with right Mm. now. It's there for Mm -hmm. you to learn from. And I think that so much of the time. 90% 90% of the misery that we inflict upon ourselves has to do with this picture in our heads of like, here's the path and it, the goal, the end of the path is in the future. And now this annoying thing, whatever it is, like Twitter, this, um, you know, okay, Twitter, okay, great, <laughs> right, yes, love it. Um, or politics or whatever, you sure. know, work, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. is getting in the way. And so now our, the path is here and we're here, we're somewhere else. But Aurelius's brilliant insight, which I think will make you happier and also more effective, which are two important things, both matter, um, is, is to give up on that line, that straight line you have in mind toward the goal, because it doesn't exist. That's, in your, that's a figment of your imagination. Mm. And what's happening to you right now, whether you like it or not, is the thing that merits your attention. And the minute you get like, let go of the imaginary line, straight line toward the goal, and turn yourself toward the actual situation, the minute solutions start to present themselves to you and you actually find that there might actually be enormous wisdom for you in, in the situation here and now.
3: I really like that. My husband recently Thank reread you. Meditations. I haven't, I mean, I read it in high school, but I, I haven't, uh, I haven't read it in a long time. I think it's, I'm also due for a reread. You know, Aurelius Wait, really- Wait,
5: uh, can I plug something else in that yeah, case? Yeah,
3: please. Yeah.
5: Okay. So, um, I last year wrote the foreword to a collection of Stoic writings, including the complete Meditations. Wow. It's called <laughs> The Gateway to the Stoics. And I also have some translations in there of some letters by Seneca that are also bangers. So you my check gosh, out. I'm
3: going to order that right now. Uh, tell yes. me again what, what it's called.
5: Gateway to the Stoics.
3: Gateway to the Stoics. I'm going to check it out. I advise all of my listeners to, to do the same so we could be maybe as smart as Spencer someday. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you got married in the last year, year plus?
5: Uh, yeah, just a little over a year ago.
3: Little over a year ago, um you're mm-hmm. insanely successful in all of these different ways. Do you feel like you've made it?
5: You are so sweet and uh, <laughs> this question is so hard. You're also very mean. <laughs> I um <laughs>
3: I, I ask everybody no, this I was, and I get such a range oh, of answers. I love it, you know. Yeah. yeah.
5: No, I I like the question because of how hard it is because it, of the three that you posed is the only one that I thought like I I genuinely don't know how I would answer this. Um, I can certainly say that every minute of every day I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. And maybe that's in part because of the whole obstacle is the way mindset, Mm -hmm. but I I don't think so. I think I'm very, very lucky. Um, I work hard, but I also have just been blessed beyond measure. And so... uh, you know, it's part of my joy in life that I don't see myself ever like retiring. I would like to work as long as I have breath. Like my work is my life. And, you know, uh I, I love my, my husband profoundly more and more each day. Um, yeah, I think, I think like I'm very satisfied but I also am like part of my satisfaction is, is a deep, deep dissatisfaction, like a, a huge <laughs> ambition. Um, and, and I guess here's one last thing that I'll, that I'll say about this, mm-hmm. not having answered your question. It, is that I, I feel like recently. you did answer
3: it, but yeah, okay. I think you've okay. made it. I think maybe you've made it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> maybe I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel very, very lucky and joyful. And I will say that the other day, actually, I was, really grinding my gears as i as i basically i'm always doing over like the the project that i wanted to complete next and it's actually a new book you know i'm working on this thing and I, mm. i'm gonna be I'm gonna finish this thing and um there's this sense when you do that that like i just want to be finished with it you know like i want to get it out i want to achieve the thing yeah. and then and then i stopped and i i had this thought like don't kid yourself you like this, like you're happy here, you know, you're happy with the Mm -hmm. gears grinding. Um, And I think if you can be happy with the gears grinding, then, then maybe in some sense you have made it.
3: That is perfect. I really, I've enjoyed talking to you so much. His book is how to save the West. Spencer Clavin, you are fantastic. We will follow all of your different projects. And thank you so much for coming on.
5: Carol, what a joy. Thank you very much for having me.
3: Thanks so much for joining us on the Carol Markowitz show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
2: I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy.